This is Season 7, Episode 13 of Beyond the Illusion. The Path to True Abundance with Brian and Golbahar. We are thrilled to have Brian and Golbahar as our guests on this episode of Beyond the Illusion. Brian and Golbahar are the founders of Akashic Resources, a platform that offers guidance and resources to individuals seeking to cultivate abundance and prosperity in their lives. With a strong foundation in teaching and a deep understanding of metaphysics, Brian and Golbahar bring a unique perspective to the topic. Let's go to the conversation with Brian, Golbahar, Tiana, and myself. This topic, abundance and prosperity, of course, it's always a popular topic in the world, but I think it's a pretty hot topic right now, just with all of the challenges and changing conditions that are happening in the United States and in the world. Funny that we never have covered it all this time. Our guest today, Brian and Golbahar, I first heard of you guys through a friend, Lexi, several years ago, and she just raved about you guys and told me about reading that she had. I heard that through the Akashic Records, you provided answers and there were different types of readings. And so I went home and I bookmarked it in my web browser, save for later for when I have some kind of specific question. And then fast forward a few years. And this year I decided to get the prosperity and abundance reading, which was really incredible and thought, yeah, it's time we need to cover this topic. In fact, I'm taking your class as well. And so I'm very excited about this topic for myself personally, kind of wanting to break through. I think a lot of us on the spiritual path may have some old ideas or blockages around, can we be spiritual and focus on material things as well? well? Do those things work together? Anyway, before we jump into the topic, perhaps if you guys could just kind of tell us about how you came to create Akashic Resources and do the work that you do. I would say Akashic Resources in a lot of ways created itself. It was something that just came from what we learned at the School of Metaphysics where we spent eight, nine years teaching and also being students and where we met, where we met, where we fell in love. You could say first we didn't get along very well. So it's kind of a joke to say that. But anyway, yeah. So I think Akasha Resources is it's birth from really our love for knowing ourselves first. We were drawn to the school metaphysics because we realized there was something more to our lives than the physical. And so the school metaphysics kind of answered that question of what is beyond the physical, which is what metaphysics means. And what else do you want to say about it, Brian? Yeah, that I come from a pretty a normal background, I like to say, MBA I actually was a licensed financial planner for a while, real estate investor, doing things pretty good, self-employed since 99. And then I discovered metaphysics and all of a sudden it was like a whole new reality and things I understood on a much, much deeper level and became a student. And then a year after becoming a student, 2008 wasn't a good time to be a home builder, especially in Springfield, Missouri. And so I lost three quarters of a million in six months. And so it was very interesting as I was learning more about myself and learning more about what prosperity and abundance meant on all levels, then I actually lost everything that I had worked for in the physical realm. And that's not true. I didn't really lose everything. I just lost all my money and and my houses, but I kept all my books. I kept all my clothes. I kept, you lose everything. And you question certain things, But what I had realized already is that I was absolutely miserable at age 43 
with a bunch of houses and money and toys and no meaning to my life. And then I discovered the school of metaphysics and I had an awakening after doing yoga at the exact same time, all these things converged. And I realized that I needed to have more purpose and things like that for my life. And that's what I learned about. So then when everything on the physical was taken away from me, I had built prosperity and abundance on a spiritual, mental, emotional level. And then I was like, you know what? Take all that away. I don't even care because I'm learning so much. All my diseases went away. There was just all kinds of amazing stuff happening. And I saw prosperity and abundance in a whole new way. So so how would you define prosperity and abundance? I think that what you just said is an important point. It's like people think prosperity and abundance is X amount of dollars, but there is your health and your happiness and your family and your well-being. How do we define it? I would say the first way that I would want to describe abundance, prosperity, or the law of prosperity and the law of abundance which they kind of get pushed into each other a little bit, but they are two separate universal laws that we like to use together, is that it's everyone's birthright. I think that's an important, that we're all here to be, to thrive, uh, to experience the potential of our existence, and to be supported in that potential. And I think that that connection within And the connection to our source is the wellspring of what can be described as prosperity and from which then we can be more abundant. That's my definition on that level. There's obviously so many different ways to describe it too, depending on your perspective on it. And then my own experience of really at the age of, I think I was like 20, I might've been 25. I was studying at the school of metaphysics and I thought, yeah, I want to have a lot of money. It's like the first thought that I had. And that thought has evolved into, I want to live a full life where I can live in alignment with my dharma, give of my truth, but be well taken care of and also in a nice home and have the things that I need. So somewhat what I could describe as abundance on all levels rather than just because there are people that they pull in two, three million or more a year, but do they have the other levels? And sometimes you have to at times sacrifice maybe your time in nature, your time with family or other things to have more money in the bank account, but now you're not really getting to experience life. So is that really prosperity and abundance? So that's kind of some of the journey that I've personally gone on. What about you, Brian? Yeah. Like I said, I had plenty of money and I had to check all the boxes, motorcycle, camper, boat, truck, houses, and I was not happy. It didn't produce the peace, the fulfillment, the contentment. I just kept wanting more and more and more because it didn't fulfill. It wasn't fulfilling. So what I realized later after it was all gone and after I I had healed myself and after I was happier than I'd ever been, having meaning for life, having friends, having purpose and really understanding who you really are and why you're here is so much more valuable than all that other stuff. And that's what I was missing before. And so now you go back and I love to mix everything together. So I'm very scientific, Capricorn, MBA, business, logical, but I grew up Catholic and I see now I look at the Bible and I look at these other holy books, the Bhagavad Gita, the Dhammapada, all these different things. And there's so much wisdom in them. And it talks in the Bible about don't store your treasures on earth, store them in heaven. And so we live lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. And we're here to learn and grow and expand as a soul. 
So the real prosperity and abundance is learning and growing and building understandings and becoming a better person. Because the only thing we take with us is the consciousness we build. And that's the ultimate prosperity and abundance is just becoming a better person (laughs) moment by moment. And I want to say something because this is very in the field and in what you would call the new age of people going, well, I am following my bliss. That's what I've been doing. I'm following my dharma and I'm doing these things and I can't survive. Like I'm eating peanut butter and jelly. And I'm just speaking for myself. This happened to me once when I decided to just teach yoga and I I had to eat peanut butter and jelly for weeks at a time. And so I was like, wait. And one other key, I think, is being flexible, being open to the channels of prosperity and abundance. Because it's easy also to say, yes, I want to be prosperous and abundant. And I want to be prosperous and abundant in this way. I want to be a YouTube podcaster. And I want to make all my money being a YouTube podcaster. And so I'm going to focus all my energy and attention onto that. And that's perfect. That's amazing. That's great. That's your purpose. You should do that. And also, though, they notice, okay, it's taking a while for this to grow. Well, why is it taking a while? Well, there's an opportunity to learn about yourself and understand something and maybe open yourself up to other ways that you can bring in prosperity and abundance on all levels to yourself. So not being so boxed in, I think people kind of get boxed in and that's stops the flow of energy, both energetically as well as physically, because there's so many streams that we can be connected to that then turn into income and the willingness to open yourself up. For example, but real quick, so yeah, like a blockage is like a restriction. It's a restriction. So the more restricted, well, I only eat this, or I only, you know, date these kind of people, or I only see these kind of movies, or I only then we're restricting, we're closing ourselves off and we're not in the flow or we're actually limiting the flow. We're limiting our ability to receive in lots of ways. Yeah, thank you. And I think that's, you said it. Yeah, okay, sorry. No, it's totally fine. I'll be honest, there's so many people that have this question, especially recently. And I feel passionate because sometimes I see the same person struggling year after year. And it's like, why are they struggling? Why can't they understand And when I've paid attention, it has to do with this ability to change yourself, change your identity, change the way you're looking at it. Even for example, for me, I actually work at a fortune 500 company, corporate America, right? A lot of us might say, well, that's not following your bliss because your Dharma is being a spiritual teacher. And there's truth to that. I've even questioned that myself. But at the same time, when I think about, especially the project that I'm on right now, the amount of growth that is coming from that for me, looking at that and being flexible and saying, yes, long-term, I might want to be a full-time speaker, teacher, author, all these things. But in the short term, I'm actually gaining something. What am I gaining? What am I learning? Those are some ways that I would look at it. Yeah, I think there are a lot of ways to look at it. This is a topic that I've thought about a lot in my life. I've actually read a lot about it and actually contemplated it many times. Like I think a lot of people do because I think we identify prosperity with our ability to survive on some level. And we take the emotional baggage that comes along with not feeling like we have enough, which is, I think, tied into our sense of self-worth, but also externalized in the world. Like we kind of base our self-worth on what we have or what we can achieve. And it's kind of an unfair way to look at ourselves, to look at our lives. But that's part of our society. The culture that we're embedded in, I think, is to 
compare ourselves to another person. It's so easy to do, and it's easy to fall into that trap. And so I have found myself there many times, and I think a lot of people have, but something that Brian said struck a chord with me, and it was like you were at this point in your life where it was just always needing more and more and more. And I think that people can feel that way, obviously, like you said, if they're not looking at other aspects of their life and picturing themselves as a more of a whole entity that has different aspects to their existence. That's more than just physical reality. Like there's a spiritual aspect to your life and that completes you in some way that physical objects cannot do. I've felt that way too. And if I dig deep and think about that really a lot and try to get to the core of why I always need more, it's because I don't feel secure with what I have. And I think that some of us are actually doing really great. We're doing fine. And we feel this insecurity about what we have not being enough and that it's not going to last or it's going to go away or something's going to happen and it might not be enough. But it is enough because we have it right now. What I've come to realize is those times in my life where I felt I was really struggling, if I look back at them in a realistic way, I, I wasn't really struggling. I had everything I needed. I just felt as though I was struggling. It felt as though I didn't have enough, and if something happened, then it would be a catastrophe, right? There was always this fear in the back of my mind. Do you feel like some people are just exhibiting that behavior in their life where everything is actually fine and they have everything they need? Anything more would just be like icing on the cake. What I'm trying to say here is that by comparing ourselves and feeling like we're struggling, we're actually not perceiving the situation in a healthy way because we're so consumed with fear. Do you think that's the case with some people or it's that they're just actually not able to generate abundance and prosperity for themselves? And that's the reality of it. That's a great question. Yeah, I love to swim in the deep end. So I love these kinds of things. Yeah, I think they're both true. And there's a continuum. You could grade people on a continuum of where you're at. So there's the fact that I look back and, and I talk about going to the grocery store with a $20 bill trying to buy calories, bag of potatoes, rice, fresh vegetables, because I literally did not have very much money. And I could have easily eaten uh, a lot more food than I had the money to buy. That was the reality. So was I doing great? No. But when I look back, and there were two instances, one before I was rich, when I was in that experience, and one about four years after I lost three quarters of a million dollars, I found myself in that same position of going to the store with $20 that I borrowed from somebody to buy some food. But I look back on both of those times and I had a place to stay. Like I said, I still had all my tools. I still had all my clothes, all my books. I had friends. I, I was a student and I was taken care of. And then if you look back a little bit further and go through your life, you can see where then I met that lady that owned those apartments. And I had as much work as I wanted to on a very flexible schedule. And wasn't that a coincidence? I used to use that word. Wasn't that a coincidence? Wasn't that a coincidence? Wasn't that a Until you realize it's not a coincidence. So there's a reality that I think we always in the stone said it, you may not always get what you want, but you get what you need. And so then the, the trick is, okay, I'm, if I relax into that, I always get enough what I need, then you can start look at, and we're doing this in the class, what do I really need from a soul level? What do I need from a, a physical level? It's great to want a house. It's great to have a car. I, I can't imagine not having <laughs> a house and a car. But at a certain point, you start to make different choices and say, 
would more money be beneficial to this recipe or would more time with my family be beneficial? And then you compare yourself. But the thing is, we're not honest in our comparison. So we compare our worst self to Joe's best self, but only in this one area where he's really good. Let's not look at the rest of him, honestly. And then I compare another part of myself to Robert who's out of this world in this capacity. Are you trying to describe me? I, uh, and this, is I'm I just, this is what everybody does. Yeah. It's just so ridiculous. And so it's part of both. I think you bring up some good points. Yeah. And some people are kind of more over here and more over here. It's stimulating me, his question and what you said, Brian, is it reminds me like you losing everything and realizing, oh, I'm still breathing. I still have my tools. I'm still alive. Everything's good. It's given you a certain perspective and a type of strength mm-hmm. that I haven't really totally experienced. And it's giving you more access to greater prosperity and abundance, I think. And then it makes me think about friendship is like that too. It's like your question was, well, do people really need what they think they need? Or are they just thinking they need it because they're thinking someone else has it? And I think that it's our egos are attached. Our identities are attached to being wanted, to being included, to being seen. Uh, and money typically in our minds and in our culture, have we've been trained to believe that if we have a lot of money, we must be liked. We will probably be accepted, liked, loved. And really what we're wanting is more love, more, more acceptance and more connection after a certain point when some of your other needs are met. But security comes from within. That's kind of the big thing. So whenever you're reaching outside of yourself, and that's, I guess, part of the big takeaway that I have is when everything outside of yourself pretty much is taken away, then you realize that that wasn't really my security anyway. And and I'm still okay. It's like, so then I guess that's one of the greater realities there. So that's a common issue that people have with abundance. More, more, more is never enough, never enough. On the other end of the spectrum is where I have been which is like, oh, I have enough. I shouldn't ask for more. That's greedy. Money has never been a motivator for me in the past. Even before I was on a spiritual path in the corporate world, it was always just, I want to feel fulfilled. I want to make a difference. I want to have a purpose. And there was always this feeling of that's crass to focus on money and like, oh, that's so superficial to focus on money and oh, I have enough. This is fine. This is enough. And so it's interesting because I think both of these are really prevalent and even maybe at different points in our life or on our spiritual journey, maybe before a spiritual journey, one of these is the issue. And then after you're on the spiritual journey, the other, but I'm sure there's a lot of other people that are on a spiritual path that have kind of similar issue of how do I reconcile, like at the end of the day, just what you're saying before, Brian, the way that I always focus is, yeah, I can't take it with me. I'm focused on what can I take with me? My consciousness, love. I'm really focused on growing my consciousness, contributing, experiencing love and light. And I need to learn how to (laughs) be good here in my human physical body, in the material existence. And so on that side, how do you help people who have been telling themselves all their life, like, oh, that's not important. And and I should just focus on the higher consciousness things that are really valuable. One thing that I have noticed is what you're pointing out is actually very true. If you're motivated by money, typically you have money. People that are motivated by money, typically they do what they can to get money. People that are not motivated by money, they don't typically have it because it's just, they don't care about it. It's like, they're not even thinking about it. Right. So And what I've gone deeper with is that to the degree that you believe you deserve money, to the degree that you believe you should have it, 
whether it's because you like money or you think money is okay, then you have it. If you have thoughts that money is crass, or like you said, it's not spiritual. A lot of spiritual people have this problem, right? They're like, I'm a spiritual healer. I shouldn't be wealthy because that would be against the spiritual realm because it's too material. And so their results are just that. I think that it's important to be aware of what your belief system is because our belief system produces our experiences. And what do you do or how do you help someone that thinks that way? Like, well, I have enough, like what she was saying, her question, basically. Yeah. Well, there's different thoughts. So I, I grew up with not much. And my first job at age 12 was at a country club where people were rich, very rich. And then I went to a private high school where people were very rich and I was not. And I got there because of a scholarship. And so I always had these questions like, why do they have what other people don't have and, and different things like that. And so exploring this, it seems like that will go beyond money, but people who can clarify desires and set goals typically accomplish something, whether that's money or not money. And it's just a function of the mind. And there's other people that don't know what they want. And that's part of the thing is if, if you don't know what you want, then you're probably not going to get it because you have to clarify that desire. And I think that the fulfillment of desire is what creates learning, growth, prosperity and abundance, all of those things. And whether there's lots of money involved or not that much money involved, it still produces that feeling of accomplishment creation in, in a variety of ways. And money is a form of measurement and it's wonderful for lots of things, but in and of itself, it doesn't satisfy very much. So for me, it's always been, and, and I had this discussion, I love philosophy when I was in college and I, I had these discussions of, I would rather have a $500 boat, a $500 motorcycle and a $500 camper than to have a $1,500 boat and not have a motorcycle and not have a camper. If I can get something that works to, to meet my desire, to me, that's a much better way. And, and that's kind of the way I look at my, my energy exchange. If I can put my energy into this and get a return, then that produces prosperity and abundance. And so part of it's being honest with yourself about your desires. And if you're a person that has a tendency to people please or maybe overgive, especially moms are guilty of that a lot, right? They overgive to their children. So now you've got an imbalance in that giving and receiving that energy exchange. And we're sacrificing our desires to satisfy somebody else's desires. And that has a tendency to produce burnout as well as not the fulfillment that we desire. I like that you brought in the word energy and energy exchange, and I'm a Reiki master and I teach about energy. And this is what has helped me kind of like shifting my mindset about money and about abundance is, yeah, thinking of it as energy. And going back to what you're saying before is, so if I'm blocked or limiting myself around my ideas of prosperity and abundance, it's an energy block. <laughs> I'm limiting. So not seeing a separation between the spiritual and the material, it's all part of the oneness and different expressions of energy. And so if I'm stuck in some area with money or abundance, that's playing out across all of my energy and my expression. And that's 
holding me back from fulfilling my whole potential. For me, that's really helped to look at it in this new way of energy versus like, oh, that's superficial money. It's like, oh, no, I'm limiting my energy here or I'm limiting my potential here or I'm blocking the flow of receiving, as you're saying, because when I teach Reiki, I talk about these principles that we learn for Reiki are really the principles of life because it's all energy and everything in our life is an expression of energy. And so, yeah, that's what's really helped me. I'm glad you brought that up. Right, right. Also, the amount of money that we're able to attract and hang on to is a reflection of our own value. Just like the amount of love that we're able to receive is what we're able to give and vice versa. And so when we love ourselves more, then we're able to receive more love from other people. We're able to love other people more. When we see our own value, then we know that we have earned it. We deserve that. We have a right, like Gobahar said, universal law. We have a right to prosperity and abundance. Yeah. It, it just kind of goes back to the quote that Abraham Lincoln said. It applies to everything. People are just about as happy as they want to be. I think that was Abraham Lincoln. And I think there is a truth to that. It's like the ability to have what you desire. You have to first be aware that you want it and then be open to it. And so just becoming aware of it is important. And also recognizing that if you're feeling blocked with the flow of energy, what's in your belief system? What's in your identity? Because energy is not cause, right? You know this with Reiki. There's something that's moving that energy. So what is the intelligence that's directing that energy or the lack of there of that intelligence? I'm very passionate. I just want everyone to have this understanding because there's so much poverty that we see and it's connected to education and educating yourself, but being educated in all these different ways. Do you think that there are cases where it was someone's life destiny to suffer that way or to learn a certain lesson, to be without physical wealth or worldly possessions or whatever it might be because their soul needed to learn something and that was very important for them to go through that process? Do you feel there are people that do that or is it just a reflection of our beliefs and our our self-worth, like you were saying. Yeah, definitely both. So this is kind of related to a, a health issue that I had a realization with, because a lot of people say, well, your thoughts create your diseases, right? And there's tremendous reality to that. But not in all cases is it your conscious mind, negative thinking that caused that disease. It could have been your subconscious mind thinking before you were even born setting yourself up for that opportunity to have that disease to cure yourself. And in the same way, prosperity and abundance or any other lesson, in some ways we predict with our soul lines of probability. So what we know from doing all these readings is that prior to your birth, you are picking a family, you're picking a place based upon what learning opportunities you have. I kind of think of it like this, and I use myself as an example. So I'm a soul. I need to learn gentleness, softness, receptivity, compassion, empathy. Oh, this looks like a good opportunity over here. And hey, check it out. There's going to be all these other souls that I know. 
and I'll be able to interact with them. And oh, wow, here's a great opportunity to relieve some karma. I think I'll put in a soul contract at age 43 to lose everything that I own. Wow, what a great opportunity. <laughs> oh, man, this is going to be one heck of a lifetime. And in that way, there's this blend of in the present moment, my thinking creating a reality within this skeletal structure of things that are set into motion at the soul level, if that makes sense to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like what you just described is many people's reality. And on some level, I do think that those who are struggling or those who are are suffering from not having enough, they really wanted that. They really needed that at some point in their life. And if they could just see it the way that you just described it, like, it kind of is exciting. It's like, oh, yeah, I I did set myself up for this and I got to go through it. Because I'm picturing a life where you have everything you need and and nothing is ever troubling you. That doesn't sound very fun. There's no substance to it. I was just going to ask, yeah, because I think there are a lot of people struggling right now, just word of mouth, my clients, people I know. And yeah, so we have whether somebody maybe us and our friends aren't the people that are born in poverty. We're lucky to have at least a certain amount of our needs being taken care of. But whether it's somebody who is born in poverty and is just barely having their survival needs, or whether it's people that feel challenged by what's happening in the economy right now, it's kind of broad, right? But what are some key core things that people can do to start to shift that when what they see isn't abundance. I think you mentioned one already, which is gratitude, right? Recognizing all that we actually really do have and feeling grateful for it. What are some of the other maybe core practices that people could do right now, despite how things look outwardly? I just want to say one thing to that, because I don't want us to come off and like not having compassion for where people are. Because sometimes I think that goes out there, like people call it spiritual bypassing. They're like, well, yeah, but for your soul and this person's over here struggling, they can't even eat. They don't even have enough money for bread. And we're like, this is great for your soul growth. And they're probably going, what the hell? So I think it's important to notate that the experiences that people are having are very real. It's very challenging. There definitely are people, like you said, that aren't blessed with just having the basics even, right? They're really like at the brink of homelessness or whatever. And what do you do to get yourself just up to that next level? And I think gratitude is a really good one. And the the second is devotion and prayer. I think just being able to align yourself with something higher than yourself and whatever that is, whatever belief that you have, just the willingness to go, why is this for me? How can I open myself up and that I am open to receiving, like just that's free. It doesn't cost time or money to just say, I'm opening myself up to receiving guidance, to receiving support. We do a lot of readings where it comes through that there are guides and spiritual beings in the inner levels helping us and supporting us. However, we have to be aware of that. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I, I don't know where my next meal is coming, then just that level of prayer and open yourself up to receive And then not necessarily having like an idea of where it's going to come from, but being open and expectant that it's coming 
that's not maybe so much of a practical step, but a step that can be taken. Yeah. I think one thing that we've, we've kind of talked around it, but we haven't specifically said, and, and again, practical stuff is what I love. Einstein said it best. If you want something different, something's got to change. There's got to be movement. And that movement can be physical. That movement can be mental. That's where it's most important. It can be emotional, but something has to change. We have to do something different. And when we look at the future, people often say, well, will I ever find love in the future? Well, you're putting the power outside of yourself. You're putting your security outside of yourself. And it's always, okay, what can I change in myself? What can I do different? What can I think different? How can I be different to attract the relationship that I desire? What can I do different, be different, think different to attract the prosperity and abundance that I desire? And, and we all find ourselves at different points of time of just stopping and looking in the mirror. And you could be working at McDonald's and late on rent again, or you could be a CEO of a, a Fortune 1000 company that wants to be a Fortune 500 CEO. And, and we stop and we look in the mirror and we say, what do I need to change? What do I need to do different? And that is the essence of learning and growth and the essence of adding new qualities, new abilities, new understandings to me is the, the, the growth in consciousness. So it, it all comes back. And guess what? When you grow in consciousness, you're worth more money. Even if you stay at McDonald's, you're, you're worth more money, right? So we can always invest in ourselves, invest the love, the energy, the time, and to be better. And then we get that that's reflected back to us in a variety of ways. Have you had any surprising information come through these readings? I know Global Heart, you go in trance and then you don't remember, but Brian gets to benefit from everyone's readings and I guess hopefully share it with you after, or you have recordings of that. So it's beneficial to you as well, right? So I'm curious if when you're doing these personal readings for prosperity and abundance, maybe there are, are surprising information coming through that's applicable for everybody or things that you've learned over the years from doing the readings? Well, Gobahar does listen to a lot of the stuff and I do share stuff. So she does get a lot of that information, but you're right. I am very lucky to sit here and listen to this night after night after night, all this incredible wisdom from subconscious mind and, and source and wherever this stuff comes from the Akashic records. And it adds to me and it changes my consciousness. I like to say I've been proven wrong over and over and over again. Again, I come from a fairly practical background. <laughs> and uh, so the whole idea that your soul could potentially split up into pieces and have different experiences at the same time in different dimensions, I, I thought that was just ridiculous. And then sure enough, we have a reading. And then somebody started asking questions like, we just had this in a question the other day, what percentage of my soul's energy has chosen to come through for this lifetime and where else is it and what is it doing? And the first time I hear this question, I'm like, this little voice inside my head is like, what a ridiculous question. And then this answer comes through that's amazing. Once again, I'm wrong. Okay. I think she was asking if you've heard anything specific to prosperity and to abundance. To prosperity and abundance. I thought there's... Uh, One that I can think yeah, of that ahead, someone sure, sure. was sharing with me is that she's has her own business and she goes through these moments of like having a lot of clients and doing really well and then like nothing mm -hmm. and just going through that cycle 
And she knows that she does something inside of herself that causes it, but she still doesn't know exactly what it is. And the reading was saying that this is for her good. Basically, this process that she's going through when there's a lull, when there's nothing, is actually helping her to understand her worth on a deeper level and to draw it in more, which uh, I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of anything else. I can mainly think of a I long time. A long, a long time ago, this, and I can't even remember what the quote is, but the idea lit a light bulb in my mind. And it was that if you're in a position like a job or a relationship or anything where you're not happy and you want more, and so you start looking and thinking about something else, well, guess what? Then you start giving less to your job or the relationship, right? You start to remove your energy. And then what happens is that you're really dissatisfied. Now things really start to get worse, right? Because then your boss or your partner now starts to react to your removal of attention. And the whole idea was that in those situations, you give more, you go over the top. So if you hate your job and you want another job, you give twice as much to that job because now the universe owes you something. That was probably nine, 10 years ago. I heard something in somebody's reading. It wasn't even my reading. And it lit this light bulb. And then I saw two people use that to their advantage. And one person doubled their salary in six months. And the other person ended up with multiple promotions. And then it left that company and got a position at a company that had better benefits and a better working environment. And it, the whole idea that it's like, the fireplace thing where they say you stand outside the fireplace and say, give me heat, give me heat, but you refuse to put the wood in. You got to put the wood in first and then you get, then you earn the heat. So when we give too much, and this is kind of like the tenfold return to, or service or any of these concepts, when we just give freely, no resentment, then we can expect to receive freely from somewhere. We don't know where. But that idea of in those situations to actually do what feels more challenging is to give more was kind of a surprise, I think, when I heard that. That's super interesting. Along these same lines, have you noticed any patterns? Have you noticed anything in the larger picture or the collective that's happening in regard to this topic, abundance and prosperity? Are we all collectively going through something together? I think of like the world economy or even just with your clients. Have you noticed patterns? Have you noticed anything that is happening, not just to one individual, but to a lot? Personally, think from just my own experience with myself, this past year has been an extremely intense year in terms of a higher level of energy that's just coming through and requiring all of us to be better. And when I say better, to be more closer to who we really are, and it just seems that the things that were holding us back can no longer come with us into this next level of consciousness. It's just not coming. You you can't take it with you. you got to put it past you. And obviously, to be able to do that, you have to look at it, understand it, and integrate it. So it's been very, I've seen it in myself and the people that I know, the clientele that we have, friends and family, just going through it. And I realized a couple months into the year, I said, wow, if I can go through this with awareness and consciousness, I'm going to read gold. 
But if I sink into it, I might just sink forever and never come out of it. And it's really just going to be up to me which way I go. And if you look at just the collective of our planet and what's happening, the amount of unrest and violence and polarization, pol- the polarization is so strong. No one can agree. Even people that typically agree with each other don't agree with each other. I don't anymore. agree with that. Yeah, it's like <laughs> I've seen it in the macrocosm as well as in my own little world of people in my life, like deep friendships that are just like have had to go on tilt for a little while. And some of them are coming back into a greater harmony. Thank goodness. So, yeah, I'm thinking that we're going through a big shift. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I like to look at the macro and the micro and see these different realities reflected in each other. So on the personal level, we're looking at systems in our lives, individual habitual patterns, thinking patterns, beliefs, things that we've reached a point in our life where we say these are no longer working. They're, you could say they're not sustainable, right? They're not giving life. They cannot continue. And in the world, guess what? We're seeing the same thing. We're seeing these systems that we've depended on that got us to this point that are not sustainable. Financial systems, food systems, energy systems, leadership systems, you name it, education systems. Every system you look at is not that sustainable. So we've come to these conclusions and that's where we're on an individual level, studying attention, concentration, memory, visualization, all these things, meditating is to be the best we can so that we can navigate this stuff so that we can create new ways of being and and new systems for ourselves, but also for new systems for food, new systems for living, new systems for community. And that's what we're really interested in. We've got a not-for-profit starting called For Our Planet, And it's all about helping people create sustainable systems for food, water, energy, housing, but it's also for education, for leadership, for finance, for health, for spiritual health, for all of these things. We need systems that work for people. And so that's what we're really excited about is giving people options. When we come together as a community and purchase land, then everybody can have a a reasonably sized house and can grow their own food, and we can all create our own energy and have control over our water. And you can build a house for $40,000-$50,000 on a piece of property. You don't have to pay $350,000 for a postage stamp where you don't even have enough land to grow your own food if you wanted to. Things People are starting to rethink. And in the Prosperity and Abundance class, we talk about, okay, well, what is the recipe? And the recipe I followed was have a nice house and a nice subdivision and (laughs) a bunch of money in the bank and and you'll be happy. And I wasn't happy. And I realized that it, it was not sustainable. It didn't satisfy That's beautiful. I'm so glad, Tim, that you asked that question, because I was thinking that earlier about looking at the big picture, the collective, and because we're always talking about this on our Beyond the Illusion podcast about the big shift that's happening. We're here for it. We're all here alive because we chose to come during this time of incredible change and transformation. But in order to do that, (laughs) all these things, yeah, these old systems, these old ways have to break down. And so when we're just looking at it from our human eyes, especially with war and all these crazy things that are going on, it can look really terrifying or disheartening. But when we zoom out and we look at this big picture about how 
yeah, we've outgrown. I mean, that's what my spirit guide was telling me as well, telling me the, the whole issue about finances. Like, yeah, I just got really comfortable. I had enough, but the, the way that I'm holding myself back or not fulfilling my potential in finances is the way that I'm holding myself back from how I'm supposed to move into helping people more in bigger ways moving forward. And so we're all kind of working through like, oh, where have I settled? Or, yeah, I think of it like comfy old shoes, but now suddenly my feet, I had a growth spurt, my feet don't fit in them anymore. And I'm so comfortable with those shoes, but I need to throw them out and try some new shoes. I know we're getting short on time. I was going to just see if you guys had things that you wanted to share with us, like this project that you're talking about that sounds really interesting, things that you're doing that you're excited about that you want our listeners to know about. Well, yeah, thanks. The way that we serve and Akashic Resources, really, we look at it as a service organization, aiding people to be happier, healthier, and more successful in, in whatever ways that you desire. And the readings are a big way that people get that personal information to be able to, to help them on whatever topic. And you know, for this particular topic, prosperity and abundance, very near and dear to my heart, when we graduated from the School of Metaphysics and went out on our own, we had the, the freedom to, to do whatever we wanted to. And, and one of the first things that that we did with the readings was I created a prosperity and abundance reading just to see, to focus on that particular topic, because so many people like myself were interested in that. So we've got all these readings that go into these different topics that people can dive into to understand themselves. And that's where the power comes is we help people understand themselves. And then we do retreats. We've got a woman's retreat coming up here. Gobahar's leading with one of my old metaphysical teachers, Ivy Norris. And then we do classes online and and we do some other stuff too. So we have our YouTube channel now. We got yeah, Akashi we got our resources. new our new YouTube, well, our old YouTube channel that we've re revived and the very amateur channel. It's very it's been... raw and it's real. It's <laughs> no uh, edits, no nothing. edits at all yet. So we'll work on that. <laughs> I think one thing I just want to say to whoever's listening, whenever you're listening, is that you're worth it, you're valuable, and you deserve to live a life of your image, whatever that image is for you, whether that's living on a farm or living in a skyscraper or being a CEO of a company or having your own company or whatever, being a vagabond or whatever you want, that you deserve it and connecting to something higher and aligning with the laws will help you get there. I do want to put a little plug in for your readings because so just for people who don't know, one, it's very reasonable, affordable price. And I think really great value. You get to, as the client, bring in a few questions and then Brian guides Gobahar into a kind of trance state and go into the Akashic records. And then she connects to maybe one or two of your past lives where you had the prosperity resources or you developed in some way connecting to those gifts that you've already developed before so that you can tap into them again. And I have to say, for my reading, you went into a lifetime in Southern Spain. And it was so interesting in this lifetime that you described. I don't know if you said it exactly like this, but you mentioned Southern Spain and the Andalusia area is somewhere that I always have felt really connected to. And the very first time that I traveled solo international trip, 
that's the region that I went to, a very specific region of Spain wow. and felt very connected to it. And it was really interesting. That was one of the lifetimes that you brought up in that particular region, which is a very specific area. And, and the things that came up were very helpful for me. And so I just want to put a, a plug in for that. Thank you. What is the website that people can go to to contact you? AkashicResources.com. Great. And one more thing I want to say too. <laughs> I've watched a little bit of your revamped YouTube, but I also watched the videos from before. And they're really interesting because Kobahar goes into the Akashic records and they're like a lot of universal questions that are asked and then kind of channeled information. Super interesting. And I liked actually, there's a bunch of them that are very short bits because sometimes I'm like, I don't have an hour and a half to watch this or whatever. So I think you guys have both where you guys are talking about things like what we're talking now about principles, laws of abundance or different spiritual laws and concepts, and then also some that are kind of channeled from the Akashic records. So I think they're really interesting and I encourage people to go watch. Thank you cool. so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you both for what you're doing and continue to do. Thank you. Well. This is so fun. We love having these conversations. I mean, these are kind of conversations I want to have all day long anyway. So why not share them with others? <laughs> right. Well, congratulations on your 100th episode. Yes. Yay, yeah, you guys are the 100th episode. You're representing abundance and prosperity for everyone listening and for our podcast to continue to grow and expand. And thank you for being on it. Yes, awesome. I affirm that your podcast will grow and expand. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Golbahar and Brian, for taking the time out of your day to talk with us. We really appreciate it. And yeah, hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I'd like to say thank you very much to Brian and Golbahar for taking the time to talk with us and for sharing their gifts and knowledge with us. If you'd like to find out more about them and everything they're up to, you can go to akashicresources.com. And they also have a Facebook group named Akashic Resources as well. I'd also like to make a special announcement one last time. Our guest from episode 8 of this season, Barbara Wyth, is having a live in-person event on November 10th and 11th in Austin, Texas, where she'll be hosting a channeling event and a conflict revolution workshop. I highly recommend this event, and if you haven't heard that episode with Barbara yet, please check that out as well. It's episode 8 of season 7. Thanks to everyone that made this podcast possible. Produced and hosted by Tim Howe and Tiana Roser. Music by Casey Henson. For more information, please visit beyondtheillusionpodcast.com. And remember to subscribe and leave a rating wherever you listen. This really does help other people find us. And for everyone who did subscribe and leave a rating, thank you so much. Take care.